All right, now we've woken all of you up. Well, I'm glad. I, I came up this, this uh, afternoon uh, hoping that all of the men would return. I, I mentioned last week, and we're dealing with 1 Peter 3, 7, and uh, we're dealing with the responsibilities that God has given to men, to husbands in the home. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, you may have noticed that we came in, uh, my, uh, my family came in, my, my wife unfortunately couldn't make it here today because our youngest is sick, but uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were able to make it. Apparently my mother-in-law heard wind of what I was going to be teaching on today. <laughs> And then I guess my father-in-law found out because he walked out. Oh, here, here he's coming back in. All right. So, uh, so I'm excited this, this morning or this afternoon to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. These are Peter's instructions to husbands, but I almost hesitate to put it that way because it's not Peter's instructions. It's the Lord's instructions. And I, I, I'll be frankly honest. I, I'm more excited to preach this message than I was the one last week. Uh, because I can preach to the men of the congregation. And uh, being a man in the home, uh, I, I believe that the Lord has given to us a high calling. And so I'm excited this morning to, or this afternoon to look into 1 Peter chapter 3 with you. Look with me in verse 7 if you would. Likewise, Peter says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And do this so that your prayers may not be hindered. Would you go to the Lord together with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given to us a, a text to indicate to us who you've made us to be, how you've organized and designed marriage to work, how you desire uh, the men you have called to be your sons, to act and to live within their homes. And I pray today as we look into that, that you would help us to understand where we might grow in this. That we would be better representatives of you to a world that looks at us. Sometimes, often, I think, uh, looks at our family structures and says there's something problematic. Oh, Father, may we embrace what you've said here and to show that this is indeed the a way to reflect who you are to our world and so help us to do it we ask in Jesus name amen well we're looking at first peter chapter 3 verse 7 now some have complained that when peter wrote first peter chapter 3 and he talked about the responsibilities of wives and the responsibility of husbands that he gave six verses to the wives and one to the husbands and it is true having said that uh, Peter gives two commands to the husbands. He gave two commands to the wives. But he gives a warning to the husbands. And it is a severe warning to the husbands. So today, all we're simply going to be doing, it's a simple message this, this afternoon, is we're going to be looking at Peter's two commands to husbands and then his one dire warning to husbands. Two commands and one warning. Let me see if I... I don't know if my thing reaches all the way back there. I think that may be the problem. So uh, notice how he begins then at the beginning. He says this, likewise, husbands. And you'll notice that he had said back in chapter 3, verse 1, likewise, wives. And previous to that, he was talking about the 
the slave and the master. And before that, he was talking about the relationship of the Christian to the state, to the emperor. And here's what Peter is doing, because I think it's important for us to put this into context. He's telling us how in the various responsibilities, relationships we find ourselves in, he's telling us how we ought to act. So, if you're under the emperor, how ought you to act? You are to obey the emperor. If you're in the slave-master relationship, how ought you to act? If you're in the husband-wife relationship, how ought you to act? Last week, we talked about how the women of God should act within marriage to reflect God's creational purposes. And today we want to do the same for uh, what God says about mankind in reference to that. And again, he gives two commands and one warning. So go ahead and go to the next slide if you would. And the structure of the verse I noted is two commands, one, one warning. Uh, there are two as clauses here. If you go to the next slide, I'll show two different ways of translating this passage. The ESV, the one on the bottom, is the one we just read. Uh, there's some debate over the way to structure the passage. And I'm going to follow more the CSB. The CSB is the Christian Standard Bible, and it's a fantastic translation, just like the English Standard Version is. But I want you to notice what the CSB does, because I think this is the right way to take it. It says, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner. So one command, a statement as to why you should do that. All right. Then showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. So the second command, showing them honor and then a reason for that as co-heirs in the grace of life. So there are two clauses that indicate to us why we should do the two commands. And that's how I'm going to preach the passage this morning. If you could go to the next slide for me, please. So here's the first command that Peter gives. He says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, actually, if you're, if you're translating this passage, it, it literally says, live with your wives according to knowledge. According to knowledge. But, of course, it doesn't say what knowledge. And some have historically said the knowledge that you ought to live with your wife in relation to is the knowledge of God. So live with your wives knowing God in a a knowing God sort of a way. That is, you know what God desires of you to do in reference to your wife. And and I don't think that that's a wrong reading in the sense that, that I think the truth that that statement makes is true. But I don't think that's what Peter's saying. I think instead he's making a much simpler and yet at the same time more complex statement. He's saying, live with your wives in an understanding way. That is, understand your wives. Understand your wives. And live with them in a way in which you understand them. So why do I think he's talking about understanding them? It's because of the next clause. If you turn to the next slide, he says, because or as they have a weaker vessel. Now, some have taken offense to this clause, but I think read read exactly as it stands, it's nearly incontrovertible. It's it's quite evident what it's saying. It's saying, uh, live with your wives in an understanding way. One thing you need to understand about your wife is that she's been given a weaker vessel. Well, what does vessel mean? Vessel is the same word that we see used elsewhere to speak of the body. 
the physical body. And so in, uh, in fact, the, the passage you probably know in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, listen, we have been given this gospel in jars of clay. You, you remember that verse? In, in vessels of clay. That word jar is the same word Peter uses here. We've been given the glory of the gospel in this frail human body. Bringing that over to this passage, what Peter is saying is, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. One of the things you need to understand about your wife is that God created us different. Now, that shouldn't be a very controversial phrase, should it? There's a distinction between men and women. It shouldn't be controversial for a couple of reasons. First, it's quite evident uh, that God created man and woman, two distinct sexes. It's also quite evident that God created those two for different purposes. And finally, I would just simply say, any objective analysis of the difference between men and women would suggest that they are made different. Now, our culture likes to chalk all the differences up to things like sociological differences. The reason that uh, girls like certain toys and boys like certain toys is because of the color of the toys. And so there are certain laws enacted that, that uh, are trying to change those sorts of things. There are certain parts of the country that say you can't have distinct aisles for boys' toys and girls' toys because that's just reinforcing this distinction that really doesn't exist. There's no distinction between men and women. But what, what, Paul, or what Peter's simply saying is, listen, one of the things you've got to understand about your wife is that they've been given a weaker body. Now, does this mean that every woman is weaker than every man. No. Uh, there are women in this world who could bench press way more than I could. For sure. I've got her sister-in-law who very well may be able to do that. She likes uh, CrossFit and uh, she's, she's great in shape and she exercises and she's very strong. So it's not that Peter is saying, just recognize that every woman's weak. They can't do anything in terms of physical strength. But what he is saying is, husbands, recognize this about your wife, that you have been given the greater strength, and there are implications for that. Let me just give you a simple illustration that I actually saw with my mother-in-law and father-in-law this week in our home. I'm thinking about this message as I'm preparing it, and, and they came to visit. They came a couple of days back, and, and they brought a cooler uh, full of full of some food that they wanted to bring for a party for my youngest daughter and for some other things. And so, so they brought this cooler, and, and um, my mother-in-law was going to go pick up the cooler. And uh, my father-in-law says, honey, let me grab that. It's pretty heavy. And you know what he was doing in that moment? He was saying, you know, that's a heavy object, and it's probably not all that appropriate for me to just sit back while she's carrying this heavy load over in a different way. Why? Because we're different, we're made different. And he's recognizing that, and he's seeking to live in light of the differences that God has made for him. Now, I'm convinced that all Peter is doing then in this passage is giving one illustration of the difference, the difference that exists between men and women. Uh, there, there are others, and I dare not walk through all of the, all of the channels or give all of the, all of the things that I would say. But I, I think Peter's point is this. Men, recognize that your wife is different than you. And when you recognize that difference, then seek to understand her. 
Because notice again, the command is live with your wives in an understanding way. If you go to the next slide, one of the things we have to understand is that it says live with your wives in an understanding way. Do you know what the implication of this is? That you know your wife, right? Uh, The word for live here is the word that's used elsewhere in the Greek New Testament to build together. To build together. And I think what Peter is saying is, live your life, build your life together with your wife and do it in an understanding way. Understand her. Understand the differences that exist between you and her. And, you know, this means that sometimes, men, we have to go out of our way to try and understand who our wives are. Simply put, I think every marriage, there should be dates in which you go and and you ask questions and you come to understand better. How can you live with your wife in an understanding way if you don't understand your wife? Do you see? So this is a requirement for men that they put in effort to build the relationship. I think sometimes we get the idea the men are out there fishing for a wife. And, and they throw the hook in and maybe they're successful or less successful than they hoped or whatever. But they finally get the wife and they, they drag them in and their job is done. Correct? Oh, friends, if that's what we think, then we've fallen woefully short of the biblical standard of what God is calling to us to be as men. We are to be husbands who understand our wives, who care deeply for them. We're going to talk about leadership here in just a moment because God has put you in leadership. But the leader who doesn't know those he's called to lead will never lead them well. He can't lead them well because he doesn't know them. So I'd simply say Peter's first point, first command is husbands, live with your wives. Really actually live with them. Understand them, which requires living with them. And understand the differences that exist between them. All right. So that's the first command. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Second command. Show honor or respect to your wife. The word for honor here, it's used honor in the ESV. It's used honor in uh, the CSB as well. It could be translated respect. Uh, He's saying here, show honor or respect to your wife. And then, just like the first one, right? So the first command is live with your wives in an understanding way, as, and then he gives a reason. Let's go to the reason for this, because there's a stated reason. Because she is a co-heir in the grace of life with you. A co-heir. Co, before a word, indicates a equal sharer. Is there, uh, though... We're going to argue, just as we talked about last week, that wives are to follow the lead of their husbands, so husbands are to lead in the home. But we get into dangerous territory when we think leadership means that there's some superiority, there's a higher worth to the husband than the wife. That is not what Scripture teaches. And you'll recall from last week, we said that the son is subordinate to the father, but that doesn't mean that the son is, is inferior to the father. 
And in the same way, God has called for our marriage relationships to be such that the, that the husband leads and the wife follows the lead of the husband, but that says nothing about worth. When Peter gets down to the question of worth, what he says is, don't forget that she is your spiritual equal. If I could summarize why I think Peter makes this statement, it's this, it's this summary. Yes, men, you've been granted leadership of the family, but don't you ever forget that she is spiritually equal with you. And one day we recognize this, don't we? One day when we're in the eternal realm, when we're in the new heavens and the new earth, we are no longer given in marriage. There is no, uh, th- there's no question in, in which God says that uh, there are relationships of following and leading. There is complete equality here. And so when we think about the fact that we are to lead our wives, when men think about that, they have to keep this point in mind, that I am being asked to lead in this relationship someone who is of equal importance with me. She is a co-heir in the grace of life. But what exactly does it mean to respect or honor your wife? If you can go to the next slide, what does it mean to do this? And I would suggest a few things that I think Peter is getting at, and we can discern from the rest of Scripture first. It means leading her as you would want to be led. Leading her as you would want to be led. Why is it that men are given the leadership position in the home? At the end of the day, it's because that's what God had determined at the beginning of creation. That's why. And again, it's not because of some some inferiority. You've been given a leadership position by God. He could have done it differently, but he put you in leadership accordingly. This means that we sometimes need to ask the question, if I am leading, then I need to think about how would I want to be led? Do you ever wish sometime? And and I'm going to use an analogy of a, of a, of a workplace sort of situation, because not that I think it's an equal situation, but I think it provides some analogies. But have you ever been in a situation in which you're following the lead of somebody else at work and you just sort of wished that they understood your position? They knew you better, that they understood what you were being asked to do, all of these sorts of things. You, you wish that so that they could lead you better and they could, they could make the organization work better. Oh, how difficult it is. To, live with, to, uh, to be under someone who doesn't understand that. And here's the thing, men. I think we've probably all experienced that in the workplace or somewhere else. And let that lead when you begin to think about the fact that you've been given a leadership position in your home. Think about how you think of that situation and think, how then might I lead? In fact, you've been given an accountability, a stewardship. God says, I've handed to you this role, and one day you're going to be held responsible for how you do it. And of course, the situation for the wife in relationship to her husband is, is even more significant than the relationship to the, to, the, to the boss at work. Because, of course, you could always leave, couldn't you? Get another job. And so as you think about that, think how you ought to lead your wife. And this bleeds right into that first point. Live with them in an understanding way. How else are you going to lead them well? Unless you understand them. 
A second thing I think it means, it means to magnify and recognize her gifts. And remember, we just mentioned a moment ago that God made it in such a way that equal people are equal spiritual people, both made in the image of God, both co-heirs in the grace of life. He's asked one to follow the lead of the other. And when we look back into the book of Genesis, what we find is that when God originally established that, he looked at man, and what did he say about man when he was alone? It is not good that man would be alone. And do you know what he did not do? God did not then say, all right, I will make another man for him. He didn't do that. He didn't make just companionship in terms of uh, another man. Do you know what he made? He made someone who, and this is the the language that the scripture seems to imply. He made someone complimentary. Do you know what it means to compliment? I'm not talking here about compliment is is you look great, but but you do. You do. You look great. Uh, I mean compliment as to come alongside in such a way that you fit together. It's, it's when, when you find that situation in which there's two over here and two over here and you put them together and all of a sudden you get five because they work so well together. This is what God has created man and woman to be. So if you are to lead your wives and your wife is different than you, and she is, and she has different gifts and abilities, then you are robbing yourself if you are not understanding her and maximizing her gifts and abilities for the sake of your home and for the sake of the church. I'll just give a personal example of this. Um, My wife is incredibly personally uh, relational. She is is sensitive deeply to the way that people feel and how people are understanding those sorts of things. Because I can, I can be in the midst of a conversation and I'll say something and I'll move on. And then later my wife will say, Tim, do you, do you realize what you said and how that affected that person? I'll say, that's not possible. And, and that would be stupid Tim coming out and uh, not listening to his wife. But when I listen and I say, all right, let, and I go to that person and I say, you know, I, I said these things. And I think it may have hurt you. And they say, yes, it did deeply hurt me. And I say, thank you, Hannah. I wouldn't have seen that. You see, my wife has gifts and abilities, incredible gifts and abilities, that that, that come together with what the Lord has given to me to make our family so much better than it would be otherwise. And if we don't know our wives, and this is all going back to it, guys. This keeps coming back to it. If you don't know your wife, you don't know her strengths. And you need to be able to discern where does she excel? And for for different people, it's going to be different things, isn't it? And lean on her. Make her to make the whole relationship and the whole family. Because at the end of the day, remember how scripture speaks about this. The two no longer remain two, do they? Marriage means you become one. So, I think uh, two principles so far that we derive from this. Let's go to a third. I think 
honoring your wife, respecting her, means leading the way that Christ commands. I'm going to make a suggestion that in our marriage relationships, we ought to look at this as leadership opportunities. And part of the reason I'm going to suggest this is because whenever you come to select an elder in the church, you know, one of the rules of eldership in the church or uh, one of the uh, commands that you say, here are the sorts of people that we want to be elders in this church. One of those commands is that a man leads his home well. If he doesn't do that, then he can't be a leader within the church. And of course, you recognize that scripture implies that all Christians should be such that they could be called to leadership. So my argument is going to be that what Christ is telling us is that the leadership position he's given to you, you ought to lead in the way that he commands. So how does Christ command us to lead? Well, if you turn to the next slide, here's what Jesus says. And and I'll give you a little bit of context for Matthew 20. You're probably already aware of it. You remember Matthew 20, a couple of the disciples have come come to their mom And they say, hey, mom, we really would like the right and left hand in the kingdom. But we're just not sure Jesus is going to give it to us. So, mom, can you go ask Jesus for us? And of course, and of course, they're going to uh, they're going to say, listen, you know, we're not culpable for this because my mom asked about it. So so they send their mom to ask about the place in the kingdom. And Jesus says, well, it's not mine to give. That's to the father. And, and we could talk about that passage, but this is when the rest of the disciples hear about it. You think they're all that pleased about that question? They're all kind of vying for those spots, right? And these people are trying to usurp by bringing their mom into it. They're, they're kind of upset. So when the disciples, the f- ten disciples heard this, this is in Matthew 20, 24, they became indignant. They became angry with the two brothers. And Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. That is, when they are in leadership positions, you know what they do? They squash everybody under them. They they excel in their leadership and they say, I'm going to put my thumb on those who are underneath me. The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over people. Notice verse 26, though. It must not be like that among you. It can't be that way among God's people. On the contrary, do you want to be great? Then whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Isn't that interesting? And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. See, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus lays out in this Matthew Matthew section, he's giving to his disciples what real leadership looks like. He says, look, do you want to be in leadership position? Here's what godly leaders look like. They don't act as tyrants over those under their charge. You know what they do? They serve. Isn't that interesting? So there are a couple of implications, I think, that we have to derive from this. Uh, And we'll go to the next slide. 
God's leadership applied to husbands means, I think, two things. First, leadership means service. Second, leadership means love. You remember last week we were talking about Genesis 3.16. And we said that at the fall, God indicated that there would be two problems within the marriage relationship. That women, that the wives would tend to want to usurp the authority of the position that God has given to the man. But he said a second thing. He says, here's the proclivity of the sinful husband. The proclivity of the sinful husband is that he will seek to rule over, be a tyrant over his wife. These are two sinful responses. But this is not the leadership style that God gives to his people. He says, this is not how you ought to be. Instead, notice leadership means service. And just think about it. Today, in our, in our world, and, and he says the Gentiles, but I think it's just like our world today. What does leadership mean? It means, how many people are under me? How many people can I tell what to do? That's what makes me a leader. And you know what Jesus says? If that's your idea of leadership, you've totally missed the boat. That's not what leadership looks like. Leadership looks like service. Here's, here's Jesus' question. The greater the leader, the more he serves. The more he serves those who are, who are in his charge. And friends, I don't see how this could not apply to marriage. God has given to you a responsibility, a duty to lead in the home. And now he says, so when you lead, how are you going to lead? See, because here's the fear. And, and I, think, I think there's a legitimate fear because the scriptures tell us how men can abuse this role in marriage. But men, our, our, our marriages should never look like a husband just simply telling the wife, here's what we're going to do. I think of it again, you know, uh, as, as, a, as a husband and wife make decisions. As my wife and I have made major life decisions. We've walked through those. Do you know how foolish it would be for me to just say, you know what? We're, here's what we're going to do, just to let you know. You know, she has a lot of perspective that I don't have. And, it, and I'm robbing myself if I don't come to her and say, hey, listen... Here's the situation we're in. What do you think we should do? I'm leaning on her, and we ought to do these sorts of things. And the more that I know her, the better I can do that. You see, I also must serve her when it comes to your wife. Don't think for a moment. Headship means you've been given someone to boss around. No, you know what headship means? You've been given someone to serve. You've been given someone for whom God has said to you directly, give your life for her. Give everything for her. And by the way, men, we'll be held responsible for that command. Because the second part is leadership means love. Matthew 20 says this at the end of the passage, here's the reason why this is how you should lead in your marriage. It's because this is how Jesus led. When Jesus came, was he the ruler of all things? 
Yes. Was he not the greatest leader who's ever lived? Yes. Why was he the greatest leader who ever lived? Because he served more people than anybody anybody else could ever serve. Here's what the passage says in verse 28. Why should you be a servant like this? It says this, just as the Son of Man, just as Jesus did not come to be served. Let me ask you a question. If anybody should be served in this world, who would it be? Jesus. It's like when he came, all of us should have just said, what do you want us to do? Boss us around, tell us what to do, because that's the authority. You are, uh, you are worthy of all of it. And so if the one who literally was worthy of that sort of reverence, because he was not equal with us, if he washed our feet, if he served us by giving his life as a ransom, then men in a relationship in which you are co-heir of the grace of life, you are equal with your partner. You must be her servant. You must, you, you must give yourself in that way to serve the needs that she has. See, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His position of leadership gave him an opportunity To serve those who were under him. And in the same way, God gives the same to us. If you turn to the next slide, Ephesians chapter 5 says this explicitly. Husbands, love your wives. By the way, don't don't think of love. I mean, we're, we're just coming off of Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Love is like this emotion, that sort of thing. That's not what love is. Love is a choice to sacrifice your own good for the sake of somebody else's good. And here's what Peter or Paul says. Husbands, love your wives. Give of yourself to them. And again, notice this analogy. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Oh, men, do you not feel the weight of that command? We ought to. Do you know what you were just told? Love your wives in the way that Jesus loved the church. Love your wives. Give your life for her. He then goes on in verse 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, what exactly does Paul mean when he says he who loves his wife loves himself? I think a couple of things. One, remember, he believes exactly what the scriptures say, that two become one. But I think as well, he's, he's digging deep into the perspective that I think is here in this text. It's, it's what we've seen already. You see, if you want to be a happy leader, If you want to be a happy husband, then the way to do it isn't to boss people around, to to see how much you can squeeze out. It's instead to serve. And that is so, it's so outside the norm of the way that we think. It's like what Jesus says elsewhere. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And nobody believes it until you do it. And you say all of a sudden, you know what? It actually is more blessed to give than to receive. 
This is incredible. And let me simply say, do you want to be satisfied? Do you want to love yourself? Then here's the way to do it. Give yourself to your wife. And it's this weird dynamic. And and here's the thing, guys. There, there, There may be some relationships, some tensions in marriage right now. And here's what I find often within marriages. That there's been some clashing, there's been some fighting, and there's, this tensions build up. And now this person doesn't want to love this person, because if they love this person, if they give themselves to this person, they say, this person's going to take advantage of me. And this person says the same thing over here, and guess what? You just have clashing, clashing, clashing. And this, it's at an impasse, because nobody's giving themselves to each other. And let me say, men, if that's the situation you're in, then you put yourself in a situation to be taken advantage of. That's what love actually means. To set yourself in a spot where you can be hurt. To give of your best to someone else. And you say, but I'm just going to get hurt. I'm just going to get injured if I do that. Let me simply say that this is what you were called to first. And second... I think that this is the pathway to resolved marriages. Somebody's got to break the ice. And you're, you're the man who's been, you're, you're the person who's been called to be the leader in this marriage relationship. So give yourself to her. And that fear that if I do, she's going to take advantage of me. Well, it may, may happen. I can't promise that it won't. But I'll, I'll, I'll give the, uh, the positive side of things. You know, I find that people who give themselves to someone else find that that other person begins to trust and begins to give themselves back to that person. And do you know that is what a harmonious relationship is all about? You give the best to one another. And do you know if you gave your best to your spouse and your spouse was giving the best to you, you'd be happier than if you took everything yourself. I'm convinced of it. So when Paul says, love your wives, because when you love your wives, you love yourself, I think he's being straight with us. He's saying, give yourself totally to your wife, because when you do and when you serve her, you're actually serving yourself. I mean, not that that's the reason you're doing it, but at the end of the day, everything will be better. So love your wives, he says. Let me, so, so there's two commands that Peter gives to husbands. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Second, husbands, show honor and respect to your wives. You've been given a leadership position, and so lead in the way that God's called us to lead. Let me give you the warning, though, because Peter also gives us a warning. If you go to the next slide, he says this warning at the end of verse 7. He says, so that... Your prayers would not be hindered, so that your prayers be not hindered. Well, what does it mean that your prayers would be hindered? This goes back to another passage. You could go to the next slide. We saw it a little bit earlier in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. Peter says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ear is open to their prayers. Put it together. He's saying, God's ears are open to the righteous. But what's he saying in this passage? He's saying, husbands, if you don't follow through on these two things, if you don't 
love your wife in the way that you're showing honor to her, if you're not living in an understanding way, then guess what you are? You're unrighteous. And God's not going to listen to your prayers. He will close his ears to you. Do you know this provides, in essence, a checks and balances? Because in the ancient world, who stood over the husband to determine whether they were treating their wife right? There wasn't any. And to a certain degree, uh, though I think we have the church now and and there are options that way, but at the end of the day, there are checks and balances, men, to your home. And yes, here we are in a church service and everybody else may think your marriage is going great and you're leading wonderfully well in your home. But if you're not, God knows. And he's not listening to your prayers. Whew. That ought to make you shudder. And, and I'm trying to give this in the positive sense, right? Like, love your wife because it's worth it. Because at the end of the day, you'll say it was worth it the whole time. But Peter's going to say, and don't forget too, that if you don't, there are spiritual consequences for it. If you want to be righteous, you must love your wife. So let me just simply, in conclusion, say this. Peter gives two commands, one warning. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Second, husbands, respect your wives, honor them. And if you don't do these things, then God's not going to listen to you. If I could summarize it in my own words, I'd say it this way. Peter says this to, to us men. God gave you a stewardship in marriage. He indicated that you would be the leader in the home and one day he's going to hold us accountable for it. And your task is this. Make the role of your wife the easiest thing she could do. Because our culture today looks at Christian marriages and says, wives have to follow the lead of their husbands? We don't want anything to do with that. But I tell you what, when you are under a leader who knows you, they've spent time, cares about you, knows your gifts, your abilities, wants to maximize those, that that leader over you honors and respects you. You know that they would do anything for you, that sacrifice anything for your sake because they love you. It's not incredible. I mean, it still might be difficult. But it's a lot easier to follow somebody like that, isn't it? And here's what I'd say, men. You should make the role of your wife in marriage the easiest thing she's ever had to do. Make her role joyous. Have you ever been in a position where you love the work you're doing because you know that those over you see the value in it, you're contributing in the right way. Make that the situation in which your wife is within your home. And friends, one of the blessings then is that we know as we live righteously before the Lord that he does hear our prayers. And so let's take this to him this morning, this afternoon. 
Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be bold about what your word says. Lord, I don't want to speak anything but what you've said. And as we think of these rules within marriage, I recognize that you've given to me an opportunity of stewardship in my own home. And I thank you for it. I thank you for the beautiful blessing of a, of a wife who's made different than I am. I pray, Father, for the men in this assembly, the men who are married, who are seeking to lead their wives. I ask that you would make them such men, that they lead in the way that you've asked them to, that they would know their wives, that they would honor, respect, and love them, give themselves for their wives. And I pray, Father, that as we do so, that our culture at large would see the harmony that a true godly marriage has. Father, thank you for the example of Christ, who, though he was the greatest of all humans, because he, he, he was your son who took on human flesh, he nevertheless came, and he did not seek to be served, but he served us and gave his life as a ransom for many. I pray that the men in this assembly would not seek to be served, but that they would serve and to give their life for their wives. In Jesus' name, amen.